Hey, welcome back to Silent Sales Machine Radio. I'm your host, Jim, as always. And today we've got a special guest. I know you guys like those shows where we got someone besides just me talking into the microphone. So you're going to love today. This is a young lady. I've had the pleasure of meeting her very briefly at one of our CES events. And every time I get an update from her, her story is just more and more interesting. Of course, if you've read the show notes, I'm talking about Ashley Kincaid. Currently, she's in Hawaii on an island. No, I'm not joking. I'm not messing with you. I was checking her Facebook before we did the show today. She sent in some pictures trying to make the world jealous of this lifestyle <laughs> that she's built. Congratulations, Ashley. You've built some incredible, you've built an incredible business. And I want to dive in and just encourage people based on your story. So you ready to go? Yeah, I'm so excited, Jim. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> yeah, this is great. Well, I think I'm going to let you just kind of take the microphone. I'm not sure. sure. Where we're going to go initially, except I told you, hey, I want to hear some of your story because to be okay. honest, I don't know a lot of your story. Just fill us in. Who is Ashley? How did you get from where you were, let's say, three years ago to where you are now with this incredible online business? Sure. Well, you know, I started with the proven, I've started with your course, the proven Amazon course. I was kind of working a dead end job in corporate America a little over two years ago. And so I wanted to, you know, make more money and learn to sell products online. And that's where I learned about the proven Amazon course. I was actually in Hawaii at the time and I discovered the pack and it really just you know, change the trajectory of my life, learning about, you know, how to make money online. And I joined uh, the MST community, the Facebook group. And that really has just been kind of a, a pillar for me to learn over the years about how to make money online, how to sell on Amazon. Uh, my first year, you know, I started selling on Amazon and eBay. And I did about $50,000 of sales, not so much, kind of a slow and steady approach. Uh, and then the next year, my business just exploded. Uh, last year, 2016, um, we did a, a, about $600,000 of sales just on Amazon. You know, I was selling books, you know, retail arbitrage, buying things in, in stores and selling them on Amazon, which are all techniques that I learned in the, in the Proven Amazon course and in your group. I'm so grateful. And I was able to, you know, quit my job and just have more abundance in my life with the products that I was selling. And this year, we mostly sell private label products now on Amazon and on our own website. And this year, we're anticipating doing well over a million dollars of sales of private label products. Oh, that's such a great story. I didn't know the numbers behind your business. That's so cool. All right, we're going we're gonna to yeah. dive deeper <laughs> into some of that. And thank you for mentioning the Proven Amazon course like three times in three minutes. <laughs> I love it. Did you hear that, guys? Yeah, it's a yeah. good course. Uh, but yeah. hey, I want to ask you a question. And I told you I'd throw you a few, you know, kind of out of left field questions here just to get to sure. know you and your business a little bit. What did that transition feel like? Like, when did you know you, it was ready to go from, you mentioned kind of a dead end feeling corporate gig into this full-time. Talk me through that transition. And I was thinking it had been about three years. It's only been two years. Wow. You've really taken off fast. I mean, you, you know, we talk slow and steady around here, but you're, you're uh, full speed ahead. That's awesome. Congratulations. But talk me through what that feel like and what were the, those those decision points and those difficulty points? Well, it was actually pretty simple. One day I kind of sat down with my, you know, with my bookkeeper and I realized I was making way much more money than I'd ever made working at my job. And that was when I decided that, you know, my time was more valuable to spend on my business. And so I didn't used to make a lot of money, so uh, it wasn't too hard to quit my job, honestly. It was just been a great feeling. But like I said, I I did continue to work my full-time job for almost a year. I used to work like three jobs. I don't work those jobs anymore, but 
Yeah. So I just was, you know, making great money and seeing, you know, my, my bank account grow really, really big, bigger than I ever had a bank account. Uh, so I was really excited when, when I saw those numbers start to grow. And that was kind of an easy decision not, not to have to go to work anymore. <laughs> so it wasn't one of these painful decisions we hear so often that, you know, long drawn out, like, when do I quit? When's the right time? It was pretty straightforward for you. Okay. There's another thing you mentioned too. You said, we, we've built this. So it, it sounds to me like you've got a team mm-hmm. and I know that you do, but let's tell the listeners, and I don't know much about your team. I just know you have one. What's that team look like? How have you built it? When did you start adding people into your business? What roles do they play in your success? Because I know you've got a fairly automated thing going here. And we'll talk a little bit next for the listener's benefit. I want to talk a little bit next about that transition from books and retail arbitrage, buying stuff off shelves into private label. So there's all kinds of interesting directions we can go here. But let's hit that one first. Tell me about your team. How did you assemble these people? Who are these people? Sure. Well, now I'm actually my payroll has decreased a lot doing private label because I don't need as many employees. Um, I used to have a, a group of three to five contractors, not employees, but contractors, meaning they're not employed by my business, but they would go out and source products for us to sell on Amazon. So now I only have one full-time virtual assistant and I have a second part-time virtual assistant. I kind of bring in partners you know, into my business just when I, when I need them. So I don't really have to manage, you know, full-time employees and things like that. Um, it gives me a lot of freedom just to, to bring in partners. So when I say we, I'm the owner of the business, but I'm pretty much just referring to my virtual assistants. I love it. Yeah. It, that's very similar to the arrangement that I have. My team is actually across all the business segments. It's pretty large. We're talking dozens and dozens of people, but Actual employees, there's only a couple, I think, right now. Everyone else Mm -hmm. is contracted, and I love that you choose the word partners because everyone I work with is a partner. I don't have employees. I have no need for someone to show up and earn a paycheck and go home and be bored doing what they're told to do. Like I want people to come in and help me grow this thing and to benefit as it grows. So do you have that arrangement? I assume you did before. And I'm also curious here. Here's another question. If RA was profitable for you, why'd you walk away from it? And talk about sharing the profits a little bit then and now. Like, Sure. How have you done that? What's your approach to that? Retail arbitrage was very profitable and it still is. I mean, it, we still are open to doing retail. It's kind of hard because I live on an island now. So I really don't want to be like sourcing products and things oh, like that. Oh, you're full time in Hawaii now? Is that the... Uh, is that your- pretty much. I'm kind of a nomad. I've been here for six weeks and I'm coming back pretty soon. So... I'm kind of homeless, <laughs> technically. Yeah, so am I. We have that in common. <laughs> yeah. My house yeah. burned down, so technically I'm homeless, yeah. unemployed, right? It's okay, though. But uh, it's, so are you, right? <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yeah, it's it's, interest, it's a great life. But I was doing retail arbitrage, and we were making great money, but it was just kind of a not a, a strong business model and that we were always having to source new products to sell. And a lot of the products weren't really gift quality, which is uh, required to sell on Amazon. So we kind of moved away a little bit from that. And now we are getting more personal relationships with customers because we have our own brand of products. And so now we're able to spend, I'm able to spend my time improving my products, which means I can increase my prices and continue to make my customers happy customers. I love it. I love it. So as your business is growing, when you had a team, were you sharing profits with them? I'm just curious, Is how did you manage that? 
Because you seemed like you were doing really, I mean, 600,000, is it, was that the right number in retail arbitrage? Like what was it at yes. its peak? And were you sharing those profits with your team? Because some people are there and I, I would echo what you just said. As you think about that, I completely agree that over time you need to transition away from relying on RAOA. That's a great place to start buying stuff cheap off the shelf at retail, getting it on Amazon. But as you said, the concerns, is it gift quality? which is kind of the parameter Amazon expects, is this truly pristine packaged product? If not, you got to sell it new or used like new, which people still shop in that category, but not as much as they shop in the new. And, uh, you know, my theory is eventually the public is going to learn that those two categories are basically the same thing. And it's RA is going to be saved in a big way because of that. But it's just a theory I have. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think RA is going anywhere. But when your RA was going well, let's talk to those people who are in that world before we transition into private label. Were you sharing your profits with your team? How did you manage that? Yes, we did some profit sharing as far as I would pay out commissions. If they were able to have a really successful day sourcing the products, they would get paid a commission per profit. And I found that that really incentivized them to not just meet the requirements, but to find the most profitable products when they were sourcing. So yes, we would do, a, I wouldn't say a profit sharing, but more of a commission based on the, the products that they sourced. Um, so yes, we mostly, I started off paying my employees hourly, but then I found out that they were really incentivized by commission. And now I really want any partners on my team in a perfect world to only make commission. That would be great. <laughs> Yeah, that's not a bad uh, bad way to go. I mean, I tell my team, yeah, I'm going to take care of you. There's going to be something there hourly, but it's never going to be much. The true opportunity, okay. true opportunity is in helping me grow this thing, and I'm going to be very generous if you create new revenue. That's our revenue to share. So you know, whatever version of that 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 uh, listeners end up using. But I love that. Okay, so let's move away from the RA world. You've answered our questions there, the retail arbitrage, and you got into books, but we're not going to hit that too heavy, although that's still a beautiful business model, guys. But let's talk now how you've transitioned into private label. Sure. What's that look like? It sounds to me like it's a less intense process now. It sounds like it's smoothed things out, like you've got a, a, an easier routine now. Talk us through that transition. Yes, I have a much easier routine. So I used to have over 15,000 products at Amazon. Um, there were 15,000 different ASINs because we had so many books. Uh, you know, the books are just one product at Amazon. So now I have much, much, much fewer number of products that I have to manage, which is great because I don't have to spend my time managing, you know, all the different products that we have. And we're able just to replenish, you know, fewer than 20 products, uh, private label products at Amazon and get more and make more money and, yeah, not have to manage as many products, but still get the maximum reward from the sales. Got it. So you're just basically reordering. That's what private label mm-hmm. is for that. Maybe we've got right. some newbies listening, like what's private label? That's basically, it's a product you own. So instead of going out and trying to source them as cheap as possible, so you can flip them for profit, these are products you own. And once they have some momentum, you're just basically placing reorders from the manufacturer and keeping your stock up, right? Are you using FBA for all of your private label? Or are you doing any fulfillment yourself? We do all FBA. Very good, which is why you're able to sit in the island in Hawaii and jump on Skype from time to time, and <laughs> you don't even right. see your products, do you? Right, yeah. There's no way I'd want to – personally, I wouldn't want to do Merchant Fulfilling. We'll pop, we might do a little bit during Q4 just because we won't have time to get them into the FBA, but yeah. outside of Q4, don't do, we don't do any Merchant Fulfilling. Yeah, I would advise at least playing around with it a little bit to check your profit margins and you know get a right. partner with a warehouse and play it. I'm sure you've thought of these things, but for the listener's sake as well – 
it's worth playing with, but if you don't want to see or touch your product and, and this is why we love, like, this is why this is such an international business model. We have people in other countries who find a partner in the U S who can help them manage their inventory. They never see or touch it. It's all just being handled either merchant fulfill, meaning you ship the stuff yourself, kind of like we all had to do with eBay for years or using FBA, which means Amazon handles it all for you. So there's just a little basic basic information about what FBA and Merchant Fulfill means, but it's not complicated stuff. Okay. So how did you find your private label products? I'm trying to get inside the head of our listeners right now, Ashley, and just say, okay, what questions might they be asking where we can get maximum benefit out of the time we have together? How did you find these? What process did you go through to identify some potential winners and Did you find any losers along the way? Sure. Well, we still have losers. Occasionally, we still pick some bad products. But how I found the products that I'm selling now is we were, you know, I took a close look at the retail arbitrage, you know, products that we were sourcing. And one day I kind of had an epiphany and I realized that if I can buy this from a retail store, why am I not manufacturing it myself and going direct to the factory? And that way I can design the product and ensure the quality of the product and have my own brand. It might not seem like an epiphany, but it was an epiphany for me. And so that's what I did. I looked at my retail arbitrage products and I realized, hey, why don't I go to a manufacturer and make my own product that can be even better? And now I actually sell more than the products that I was inspired by. You know, the products that I was selling on Amazon, now I'm actually outselling those products. (laughs) So that's really exciting. Yeah. Well, I love the simplicity of what you just said. There is a report that you can run. Maybe you'll remember what it's called. I don't off the top of my head. We'll stick it in the show notes, listener, okay? Uh, If you go to silentgym.com slash podcast, get on the show notes for this episode. There was a Facebook post I did. It's it's probably been six, eight months ago, Ashley, but it's a report that you can run in Amazon. And if you've been doing like what Ashley just described, I mean, you had 1500 ASINs, you said 1500 different products on Amazon, Right. you can run this report and it will tell you, you can sort it top to bottom. It will tell you which of your products are getting the most attention from Amazon shoppers. You can look at it and look at those top few and think to yourself, Hmm, I think I could maybe Find somebody that makes those and get my own brand of that product. You call the manufacturer and just ask them, hey, would you white label this for me? I'd like to have my own brand of this product. It could be that simple. Getting your own private label product could be that simple. But it just starts with running this free report that all Amazon sellers have. But this is why I love starting out with the retail arbitrage. and We call it the inch deep, mile wide, right? You started with the inch deep, mile wide, get a bunch of products out there, And the good stuff floats to the top without you even trying. You run this simple report. It tells you what your most popular products are. And then you went out and did some. So what was your success rate? Uh, You know, give me some numbers. Like, did you try five or six times before you figured it out? Or was your first private label product to hit? And and what can you tell us about your product? I don't want to create competitors for you now, but you've got to be excited about some of these big (laughs) hits, right? Like, give us just enough. Like, what category are we in? How are these products doing for you? Tell us more about that. Well, I have so many things I could say, but I I read Ryan Rieger's book, which is Private Label the Easy Way. And that was basically the procedure that I followed because I wasn't ready to go buy a thousand units from China, you know, in a container. So we basically started with, you know, kind of white labeling, uh, finding, you know, products here in the U.S. and just kind of repackaging them. Because what's great about that is we didn't have to have, you know, big orders. I think my first product, I spent less than $100 um, getting it live on Amazon, which is amazing. 
Uh, but my products, I'm mostly in the beauty category because I love beauty category. My products are consumables. They're really, really small and lightweight, um, which is great for, you know, Amazon fees and shipping fees and things like that. So I have some manufacturers here in the United States that manufacture my products. And we also import some of our products, too. I love it. So you used Riot, a great partner of ours, great leader in our community. For the listener's sake, if you go to provenprivatelabel.com, you'll see a copy of Ryan's book. It's not expensive, but it's a very simple premise. And I, I didn't realize that that's what you'd done, Ashley, to yes. get your first few wins. But basically, you approach a manufacturer and the magic question, if I can let the cat out of the bag, basically, Ryan and I did a whole episode on this. I don't know if you heard it, Ashley, but the magic question is you approach a manufacturer, and I'm curious to see if you use this question, but you go to them and say, hey, could I take your product out of its packaging and put it in my own? Would you be okay with that? You don't ask them, hey, can I private label? You ask them, can I take it out of its package and put it in its own package? And if they say yes, congratulations, you have your own private label. You buy a handful of them and you stick them in your own packaging and you see if they sell. And like you said, it costs you $100, right? Was that the question yeah. you actually used? Did you go through that process? Pretty much. That wasn't exactly the question, but the way you said it was pretty much what I asked. Yes. That's cool. That's awesome. So, you know, we're talking about filling your garage with product and then trying eagerly trying to find a way to move that product. We're talking about fairly low risk stuff here. Right. I got to be honest, Ashley, you almost feel like a plant, like a shill bitter on eBay. Like you're giving all the right answers and making this stuff sound so easy. People would be like, is she a real person? This is Jim's cousin, <laughs> right? He gave her a transcript. Like, no, no. It, Ashley is a real person. She's been to our events. She bought the proven Amazon course. She hangs out on Facebook and and uh, she's out there helping people every day, answering their questions as, as just a, a great leader. She's become a leader just a couple of short years. So well done. Thank you so much. So what else do you want to talk about? And we've got another topic here that I think is going to be interesting to dive into, but have we missed anything about the process? I don't want to overcomplicate it, but what else along your journey? Did we leave out any steps in your journey? Anything else you want to talk about regarding you know, the products, the transition from RA mm -hmm. to private label? Are we leaving anything out? I think if people just stopped the podcast right now and said, okay, I'm going to go do what Ashley did. We've given them enough to build an incredibly successful business just in this episode alone. So well done. But do we leave anything out? No, I don't think so. You know, one thing I've noticed sometimes in the groups is I've, I always feel so bad is the sellers that go and, and buy a thousand units from China. I sometimes see the posts in my silent team. They're, you know, led the wrong way. Just slow and steady wins the race. There's no, you know, extra points for taking these huge risks. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. There's pretty much proven formulas for doing private labels. So you know, follow those proven steps. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, the uh, I love the word proven. You know, I like that word. You dropped that in there on purpose, <laughs> didn't you? All right. So no. <laughs> let's. Oh, you didn't. Okay. Well, all right. I'm taking away your brownie <laughs> points. So let's talk about. There was another topic when we sent you the uh, the idea for doing a show with you, and you're like, "Hey, here's some things sure. I want to talk about." I love this topic, and I want to see what you meant by this because you said using profits to serve is a topic that's of interest to you. And I want to know what you meant by that. Let's just kick that around a little bit because I love, unashamedly, I love the word profits. And in my definition of profit, for the listener's sake, if you haven't heard it, Ashley, my definition personally is monetary evidence that I can continue serving tomorrow as well as I did today without needing donations to do it. That's my personal definition of profit. Uh, so when someone talks about Profiting and serving in the same sentence, I kind of get excited. I'd love to hear your thoughts, uh, what you meant when you put that in the in the notes for today's discussion. Sure. Well, 
I see the evidence of that. You know, the more money that I make in my business, the more I'm giving to customers and really giving them the highest quality experience with the products that we deliver. You know, the more it's kind of money is very spiritual and it's really just not about making money. It's about you're only allowed to be in business by the profits that you make. And the more money that you can make in your business is not something to to be ashamed of. And sometimes entrepreneurs can be guilted about making money. Or I sometimes see posts on Facebook, you know, I bought this for a dollar. Is it unethical for me to sell it for a hundred dollars? And I just, I really disagree with that. I really just think that's a wonderful experience for the customer. And the great thing about private label is you can really maximize those profits. And to me, that's evidence that you have created an experience for the customer that isn't about making greedy profits. It's about helping and, and serving the customer at the, at the highest level. I couldn't agree more. And for those who've listened to several of our episodes, you know, that's that's been a theme from time to time. I'm thinking back to those episodes I did with Daniel Lappin. Uh, have you read any of his stuff by any chance? Yes, I have. Yes. Okay, cool. So I, I could tell he's kind of influenced your thinking. It sounds to me like he has. So it wouldn't you know it, like there's a guy cutting grass right outside my window. Hopefully that doesn't <laughs> show up in the audio. I'm in a makeshift office here. And I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, as you know, most listeners know our house burned down. We're in a rental property. So my studio now, I don't know if I've shared this yet, but it's actually this, it's my closet. It's this walk-in closet that I've got off the bedroom here. <laughs> the acoustics are good, like really nice, but like yeah. there was literally nowhere else for us while we wait for our house to be rebuilt. This is kind of my sound studio. So uh, here we are, a guy cutting his grass right outside the window. <laughs> so Daniel Lappin uh, talks about his definition of money is, yes, as you said, it's a spiritual thing. It's not physical, it's spiritual. And if you hear him ever present on that topic, oh, it's, I love it. Uh, I couldn't agree more after hearing him present. But he talks about certificates of appreciation or evidence that you served well. That's all money is. It's evidence that you served another human being well. And so I couldn't agree more that we as entrepreneurs, we not only should we not be ashamed of profit, that's not taking it far enough. We need to aggressively pursue it. And quite often, the best thing to do once we have it is to put it right back into our own business and serve even more people with the talents and the gifts that we have. So I love your attitude towards that. It's very evident that you've got your head straight about money. That's a big part of it. Sometimes we discount that. If I just speak to the listener for a second, you know, Getting your head straight about money is vital because if you're participating in an activity that you're not convinced is virtuous, you'll find yourself self-sabotaging your business and it won't take off. You won't be able to tell a great story like Ashley has. It's very evident to me with the limited time I've had to spend with Ashley that she's not self-sabotaging herself with these thoughts of, well, I'm price gouging if I charge more than 5% profit. You know, that's, that's gouging the cut. I've got to make sure and give them this really low price that barely keeps me in business. No, you need some profits to be able to do great things that in the end serve your customer even better than you are now. So pursue profits vigorously. And there's another episode. We'll stick it in the show notes where I talked about that very issue that you brought up, Ashley, of, you know, Where's that line? Does it become price gouging if I buy it for $5 and sell it for $80? Is, is that gouging the customer? We dive straight on and tackle that topic. And we'll stick it in the show notes because I think that's a good one for people to listen to. And I challenge that thought process and hopefully help people using the Judeo ethic, the biblical Christian ethic, set you very straight on that topic that no, that is not. You're providing tremendous value there. So I'm glad you brought that up. That's cool. Any other thoughts on 
that topic before we start to wrap this one up. I think this has been a great episode. I think you covered it pretty well. I totally agree, Jim, and, and you really inspired me with what you said, so thanks. <laughs> oh, cool. That's good to know because I know you've been around a while, so if I could still inspire someone who's been around a couple of years, <laughs> I, I'm doing something right. I'm having a good day. I must be having a good day. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, Ashley, it is truly a pleasure hanging out with you a little bit. I think the listeners are going to just love this episode. I love those episodes where I look at it and go, okay, we've just destroyed a bunch of excuses that people might have. I mean, you're, mm-hmm. you're relatively young. I don't know if you'd like being called that or not, but you know, I've, I've met you and I know this, you know, is true. You know, you're not one of these people who's in their sixties, finally figuring out <laughs> life. I mean, you're young okay. and, and you've, you're putting money in the bank and you've done it, followed a very simple path to do it. And right. you've used the stuff that we teach around here to do it. And I'm just, I'm proud of you. I am genuinely proud and honored that, uh, that you're associated with our community and, and that you you dropped our, I didn't know where you were going to go with your comments, but you dropped our community's uh, Facebook group and our course out there as, as part of what's gotten you where you are. So thank you for that. And um, any final parting words of wisdom for the listeners as we wrap this one up and uh, and we, we close it out for the day? Thank you so much, Jim. It's really just so exciting to be here. And I really hope that people take action on this information and it's actionable information and you have you know all the tools to succeed. So go for it. <laughs> I love it. Very well said. Very well said. You should have your own podcast. You need to do that. You'd be good at it. All right, listener, I hope you've enjoyed this show and please give us some feedback. You know what? If you jump over to silentgym.com slash podcast, let us know what you think of these shows. I love doing this. As you can tell, I hope it comes through in my tone. And if you could see my body language, maybe we need to do more video episodes. Like I'm waving my hands and I'm like, I stand up and I sit down. I have a hard time keeping my mouth in the same place by the microphone because I just love doing this, guys. I hope the energy comes through. I hope you feel inspired. And like Ashley just said, Take some action. You've got the tools. You've got the resources right in front of you. None of it's expensive. Get out there and do some of this stuff and make some great things happen. And uh, maybe you can go visit Ashley on her island in Hawaii and say, hey, what do you do? But hey, God bless you, business building warrior. You know I'm in your corner. Thank you to our guest today, Ashley. Pleasure having you. And get out there and make some great stuff happen. Can't wait to do this again. Thanks for listening to Silent Sales Machine Radio. Thank you for listening to Silent Sales Machine Radio. Visit SilentGym.com for a link to our free newsletter, our free Facebook group, and all of our resources mentioned on today's show.